Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is a great passage of Scripture. This, uh, this chapter is known as the love chapter. It talks all about love, and uh, we're going to read a little bit from that tonight. But we're in a series called Love Your Family. Everyone say, love your family. And the whole thing that we're talking about is how are we allowing our faith in God to impact how we see and interact with our family? Simply put, I want us to be the kind of people who our faith does not stay here in these four walls, but it impacts the people that we're around every single day. I would hate it to be said about me that I'm great at doing church, but I don't love the people that are right in front of me. And I don't want to be the kind of person who knows how to play the whole God thing, but I don't know how to allow the whole God thing to impact how I treat the whole people thing. You are not called simply to love God. You are called to be loved by God and allow his love for you to translate into love not only for him, but love for others. Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who hate you, who despitefully use you, who persecute you. How many of you have someone who hates you? It's probably because you're annoying. <laughs> Just, <laughs> I'm annoying. But Jesus said this because he understood that it's not just about loving those who love us, because anybody can do that. But it's allowing God's love to impact our lives so that wherever we go, it, it flows through us. How many of you, you got a family, you got a mom, a dad, a brother, a sister at home? Someone in your family, a stepmom, stepdad, you got, okay. My big question for us tonight is, do they see the difference in your life because you're here? Does your family see the impact of you being here? Or do they see you going worse and worse, becoming more and more disrespectful, disobedient, unkind, lazy, you don't clean up the toilet seat, you won't do your laundry, and all you ever do is play video games. And you, throughout it, you say, man, I really I love God and I really love church. Can I tell you what that's going to be like? If you do that, you're going to be like what this scripture says. And, and I want to I give you a sound real quick. Should I do it again? I'll, I'll mute it. <laughs> Still loud. Let's read this, this, this passage of Scripture. It's trying to wake you up here. It's gloomy outside. 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to read in verse 1. I may not have it on the, on the, the screen because I forgot to send them my, my verses, and I apologize, guys. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Chapter 13, we're going to start in verse 1. And it says this, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and I can fathom all of the mysteries and all of the knowledge in the world, and I have faith that can even move mountains, but I do not have love, then I am nothing. 
If I give all that I possess to the poor, wow, that's, that's big, and I give over my body, I literally give my life to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, then I gain nothing. And Paul goes on to say what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It doesn't boast. It keeps no record of wrongs. It always hopes and trusts and perseveres. All of these kinds of things. And it starts to describe what it looks like to live in love. And I want us to be the kind of people who what is said about us is not that we attend church, but that God's love is in us. Let me say it again. I want it to be said about you and I that that when people see me, that they don't see a guy who works at a church. They, some, they see someone who knows who they are in God, and they show the love of God wherever they go. How many of you want that to be said about you? Come on, how many of you want that to be said about you? Okay, most of us in here. So I want to read this one more time. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong, a clanging cymbal. I want to speak tonight on the subject, a beautiful noise. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down, a beautiful noise. Secondary title, all treble, no bass. I'm all about that treble, no bass. How many of you have that, you have that friend who's got like the 1992 Honda, when you get in their car, they have no system because it got stolen because it's a 1992 Honda, and it's just the stereo deck with one little speaker, and if they try and turn the bass lever up, it just starts to fart on the speaker, just... So they have the treble all the way up and the bass on the negative nine, because why is it nine and not ten? It's always nine plus nine or negative... Okay, no one knows the struggle but me. All treble, no bass. Let's pray. God, thank you for the privilege we have to gather. Uh, We pray that we would not take it lightly or not take it in vain, but we would take advantage of it and allow it to shape us on the inside and flow out through how we live. God, let our parents, our friends, our siblings, our school, our teachers, our, our enemies, our families, our leaders, our peers, let them see what's in us, see that there's something different, that it's your love active in us. In Jesus' name, everyone said... Amen. How many of you, uh, you ever been to a toddler's birthday party? Anyone, does anyone, like, how I, at least how I used to imagine it, and perhaps how I still imagine it is, that's a little bit of what hell lived out looks like. Going to a toddler's birthday party. Uh, and now, now we have a, we have a toddler of our own and we love, we love our three-year-old. She's a little bit defiant, a little bit crazy, a little bit energy, actually a lot of bit energy. She is nuts and it's the best. She's so fun and we love it. But, um, one of the curses of having a young child is you get to go to young child birthday parties. And they're, they're fun for about the first four, maybe five minutes, but then after that, it's just utter chaos, and you have to endure until they are so tired that they fall asleep on the five-minute drive home because they tuckered themselves out. So uh, about a year and a half ago, I went to one of my good friends. He had, uh, 
his, his son, who's just a couple months older than Hayden, was turning two. And so we go over to his parents' house. They're doing a big birthday thing. And they rented an inflatable, which, by the way, okay, I want to give you some advice. It, it, like, if you're rich and you got money and you, your kid's turning two and you want to rent, spend hundreds of dollars on an inflatable, I, you go on with your bad self. But it is a waste of money because not one kid jumped on it because they were scared of the clowns painted on the wall on the inside. So they spent like 600 bucks on this thing. No kids jumped on it. So it's this, it's this birthday party and we're there and we get a little bit into it and we're eating food and it's fun and, and whatever. But I'm kind of ready to go home. But we, we start to open gifts and, and it's all these special little gifts. But then the, the big gift from, from mom and dad was a, a drum set. And so they, they, he opens it up, and he's so excited, and he starts banging on it. And I, I, I've played drums for many years. I love drums. I started playing when I was 13. I drummed at our church and in our youth ministry for many years, and I enjoyed it. Many of you have never seen me play drums, but I used to play on the worship team. It was a lot of fun, and I, I loved it. And so I'm like, cool. Drums are cool, and they're, you know, they're two and three years old, so I can't expect them to have any skill. But then, and it's cute, right? Because, like, I'll take Hayden back here. Well, she'll, you know, she'll just kind of boop, boom, 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 you know, like, like any two- or three-year-old would do, and it's, and it's fine. But after a couple minutes, it's, it starts to give you a little bit of a headache. And so these kids are all, they're playing the drums, and they've all got sticks, and they're just, they're, they're, they're making this, this, what I would not call a sweet sound, just, just, just doing this on the cymbals. And, and it starts to get a little bit chaotic. I'm like, but you know what? God brought me here for a reason. I play drums. They don't. I'm going to teach them. So I get all the kids together. I'm like, hey, do you guys want to learn how to play drums? Yeah. You know, they're all two. I mean, what, what do they know? And so I'm going to teach them. And so, so I'm like, okay, here's what you got to do. And, you, you know, you take the sticks. And you, what you, you don't want to only hit the cymbal. I know it's fun, but you got to hit all of the drums. And so what you do is you put your foot right here, and, and, and you, you kick it. And, and you cross these arms, and then on the, you, on the one, you hit this, on, you hit the kick, and on the three, you hit the snare, okay? On the one and the three, remember, one, two, three, four, on the one and the three, okay? And I'm trying to get them all, just showing them how to do it, and they're watching, and they have no clue what's really going on, and after a few seconds, I try and get the oldest one to try and figure it out. And I give them the sticks, and they all crowd back around the drum set, and they just start... Banging on the cymbal. And I had to just leave. I couldn't handle it anymore. It was the most obnoxious sound. Because, see, the thing that you need to know about cymbals is that cymbals are not a complete, on their own, drum set. Thank you. Cymbals are not a complete drum set. The, the, the purpose of a cymbal in a drum set is to accent the rest of the drums. So maybe, maybe I could get Eric. Is Eric in here? Where's Eric at? Eric, you back there? Could I, I, could I borrow you for a second? Can we give it up for Eric? <laughs> Eric, would you mind coming back to the drum set? So hop on the drums, and, and I want you to play me a beat. I didn't tell him I was going to do this, but would you play me a beat and... Uh, but, but, but don't, just do, do it real cymbal heavy, and don't use the kick. Okay. 
So you can't kick the kick. Okay, will you play it? Play maybe one of the worship songs we do or something like that. Okay? Drum roll. Okay. Okay. Okay, go for it. Give it up for Eric. Beautiful, beautiful job. Now, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to do a similar thing, but I want you now to add in the kick and do a full, full beat. G- give me something. Give me something groovy. He's single. Let's give it up for Eric. Now, no, no, stay, stay back there just for a second. Stay back there for just for a second. Notice the difference between the two. In each of them, he was hitting the snare, he was hitting the cymbals. But when he kicked the kick drum, it completed everything because without the bass, all you have is the high notes, and it's obnoxious to listen to. You know what I'm talking about? Like, Noel, she hates it when someone is playing music straight from an iPhone sitting on a counter. It, for whatever reason, it just gets, it, it gets her going. She cannot handle it. Because music was not meant to be heard in a little tweeter. It was meant to be heard with subwoofers and speakers and surround sound so that you can hear everything that you're meant to be heard. So Eric, play me one more time. Do something with the crash. Do something real big. No kick. Now add in the kick. Now add in, do something similar. Now add in the kick, though. Let's give it up one more time for Eric. See, the purpose of the symbol is not to be the main thing. It's meant to accent the drums. Can I tell you the purpose of your faith is not that your faith would be loud, but to accent your love. Let me say it again. I want you to write this down. The purpose of Your faith is not that your faith would be seen. The purpose of your faith would be that it would accent your love and that your love would be seen. The mistake that a lot of us as young Christians make, you know what it is? So we want to tell everybody about our faith. We want our parents to let us go to any youth function and do all the stuff and have all of the freedoms in the world and yet we are void of the most important thing. What does Paul say? He says, if you can get all of this stuff, he, he literally says, if you can prophesy till the day's over. Man, if, you, if, you can, if God shows you everything, like you're special, and if you can do healings and do all this great stuff, and you give everything you have to the poor, how many of you think giving to poor people is a good thing? How many of you think serving others is a good thing? Here's what Paul says. You can do all of the right stuff, and yet you can do it without love. And if you do it without love, what are you? You are a bunch of noise 
And you know when anyone hears just this? They go the other way. Why? Because it's loud and it's obnoxious. I guess my question for us is what do people hear when they see you? What do people hear when they encounter you? What do people hear when they come across your path? Because, friends, it is not about your faith. Some of you would be better off never telling anybody that you're a Christian. You would be better to just tell people you don't believe in God because at least it would match your life. Because it's about time that we would be the kind of people who if we say we've got faith, that we don't even have to say it because our love is louder. Are you with me? Like, I don't care what you listen to, what you say, do anything. I don't care if you give everything you've got to the poor, if you're missing love, then can I tell you, in fact, not only are you not adding anything to yourself, you are robbing the world of what you're called to bring to it, which is love. Is that cliche? Sure. Is it the most important thing on the planet? Absolutely. Without love, our faith is just noise. And some of us, we, we, we tend to wonder, like, God, why do I keep getting a hassle from my parents and authorities in my life or my mentors or my leaders or, you know, why do they get on me so much? My friends, man, they're always, they're always on my case, you know, get off me, let me do me, you know what I mean? And I would, I would venture to say that it's potentially because all they hear is noise and they don't want anything to do with that. I asked you the question earlier and I'll ask you again. Think about your house. Think about your home. Your mom, your dad, whoever's in your home, your brothers, your sisters, your family, your close friends. When you go home, what do they see? What, what kind of atmosphere do you bring into your house? Do you bring the depression that you wear on your face while you're at school? Do you bring joy? Do you bring bitterness or do you bring thanksgiving? Because I would venture to say that if you're bringing, the, the, if you're bringing like negativity or you're depressed or you're angry or you're sad or oh, I'm just tired, can I tell you that the noise that you are making is not one of love. It is one of obnoxious, clanging symbols saying, you know what? I can tell people all day I got faith. I just came from church, but I'm tired. I just did my devos at Starbucks, and people saw me, and it was great. Your noise. Why? Because you don't have the most important thing. Come on. We can be the kind of people who we can read our Bibles until we are blue in the face. We can attend church 900 weeks in a row, never missing one, even get a certificate for perfect attendance. And yet be void of the only thing that matters. And I go to church. But I don't have time for my family because I go to church. I'll do my devotions, but my eyes are so deeply into my Bible that I won't even look up and see the person who God is trying to show me at Starbucks. 
I'm on the worship team, and man, do I lift my hands high. <laughs> did, did they do that? Like, does anyone? No, don't do that. If you're on the worship team ever, like, don't do this. It's weird. Like, you know, I'll do that because I'm 34 and I can, but you, you don't. It's not going to make you look good. But can you remember the last time you worshiped by yourself in your room? You can worship when you're in front of people, but you, you don't worship in spirit and in truth when you're by yourself. And you can sing the songs here, but it's not in you. And can I tell you, let me be the first to say, I'm preaching to myself. It's very easy to stand up here and talk on a microphone. It's harder to put it into practice, isn't it? It's easy to get motivated in a moment like this to, you know what, I need to show my parents that I'm more thankful. And they get home and something happens and it goes right back to where we used to be. It's easier said than done, but I still ask the question. Do you have all of the faith and none of the love? Because if you have faith without love, can I tell you, you are a bunch of noise. You're not adding anything to anyone, and you are not benefiting yourself either. I can fathom all the mysteries. I can be so smart, know all of the books of the Bible. I can say all 66 books, and I can sing the song. There are 66 books in the whole. I can't remember the words, but I could sing it. Man, God called me to ministry. But every time my dad asks me at home if I can just help out for a few minutes, sorry, dad, I'm too busy. Don't tell me you've been called to ministry. Your first ministry is your home. Your ministry is your school. Your ministry is your friend that you won't even talk to because they hurt you three months ago and you're being a little 12-year-old unwilling to resolve things but you're willing to say, look at me worshiping, but you are unwilling to act out in love from the one who you are worshiping. Don't tell me you're called. I don't even think you heard the invitation because if you did, you would know that God is not inviting you into doing more. He's inviting you into receiving and giving his love for you. Are you hearing me tonight? Come on, the world doesn't need more faith. They need some more love. They need some more action. They need some more kind-heartedness. They need some more forgiveness. They need some more compassion. They need some more of what we say that God is all about and what he's showing us. They need more of that. They don't need more of your Bible. Please, read your Bible and read it all the time. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll, if you're in the 80s, you know it, you'll grow, grow. It's, you say it three times. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll. Okay, that was good. Let's do it one more time. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll. And you'll grow, 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 and you'll. Some of you got the melody. You're good. Okay. Give yourselves a hand for that. I'm all for it. I think you should read your Bible. We're going to get new journals. They took forever from the publishing company, but they're on their way. And I want you to do that. I want you to do it at Starbucks. I don't like reading my Bible at home. I get distracted, and my daughter wakes up way too early. But I, so I'm loving it. I, I do it. Listen to worship music. Get it in your spirit. Read your scriptures and tell people about it. But can I tell you the underlying biggest truth that's most important, that if you never did any of the other stuff but you had love, 
man, you would be such a better noise than if all you do is talk about it and show people, but you don't have any love. Are you with me tonight? So I ask you again, what does your family hear from you? Do they hear music or do they hear noise? Do they hear kindness or selfishness? And can I tell you, if, if, if they hear the wrong thing, this is your opportunity. It's not to point out the fact that they're hearing the wrong thing. It's a reminder, yo, we all kind of suck at this. And let's get better. Let's remember what it's all about, that Jesus who knew no sin, became sin, so that in him we could become the righteousness of God in Christ. Now God has given us the ministry of reconciliation, that we are ambassadors for his love, that everywhere we go, we don't carry the works that he called us to do, we carry the love that he imparted to us. Come on, are you with me tonight? God does not need you to do more, he just needs you to love. We gotta remember that. Do they see that you add value or all you do is take? And you don't even put the milk carton out or take the garbage out when you fill it up. Don't tell me you're called if you can't even see a need and meet it in your own kitchen. You walk over the garbage, you'll never pick it up. You say, that wasn't my mess. It wasn't Jesus' cross either. But, but he carried it, didn't he? And he's called us to do the same. Carry your cross. Get it up daily. And let's stop complaining. Let's go love in regular ways. Picking up trash, love. Saying thanks to mom, love. Giving give just a, an encouraging word to your teacher who probably hates their job and regrets even going to school for it. Give them some love. Make them, make them regret it a little bit less. Come on. We are not called to be people who just talk about it. We're called to be people who show it with our love. Come on, are you with me? Do you compliment or do you complain? Do you have time for your family or do you only have time for your friends? And you wonder why you get resistance from mom and dad. But it was, last time you spent some meaningful time was when you were 11 and you still thought your parents were cool. I hope my p- kids think that I'm cool when I'm old. Thanks. Who said that? Thanks, Benny. I am cool. And gosh darn it, people like me. Does anyone know the reference? Ethan? To Lynn? No one? Okay. <laughs> gosh darn Okay. <laughs> yeah. Are you open or do you shut your family out? Can I challenge you? This is something that, that I still have to learn. I'm 34 years old, and I sat with my mom and my two kids. Jude is sitting in his car seat. Hayden's playing. I'm picking him up yesterday from her house. My dad's in Israel. And if I'm being honest, it took me about a minute to get up the gumption to ask my mom how she's doing with my dad being gone. Why was I nervous? I used to live inside of her. I've known her my whole life. Was that weird? 
It's true. Man, why, but why is that? But you got to get over the awkwardness. I called my grandma on Monday. Why? I don't know. But I felt like I should. And I didn't have anything to talk to her about. All I have is my kids. And she wanted, I mean, I had to kind of repeat a lot of things, but and why do why do why we why do we run from this kind of stuff? Because it's easier to talk about it. It's a lot harder to just, you know what? I want to be a genuine, loving person. Do you have time for your family? Or do you just have time for your church and your friends and all of the things outside? And you wonder why you get resistance from the very people that God has called you first to. Speaking to myself, it's easy to forget. It's easy to get busy. It's easy to get distracted. But God didn't call you to easy, did he? God didn't call you to easy. God called you to love, and love is difficult. It's not easy. But it wasn't easy for Jesus. But for the joy set before him. He endured the cross for the joy. Why? Because he knew what was ahead, you and me. Come on, are you thankful tonight that Jesus didn't wait until he was comfortable to love you and me? Come on, are we thankful for that? This is why we're here. See, I don't, though, I don't, I don't, I don't just want to say, man, if you don't have love, you suck. Here's what I want, what I, the most important thing for us to understand tonight is what an opportunity we have to add to our faith, love. What an opportunity we have to add to our church attendance, a genuine love that goes beyond these walls. What an opportunity we have to allow the people in our life to see the difference in us, not because of the amount of time we spend here, but because of the spirit that we carry and the value that we add to our home. What an opportunity. Can I invite you to say yes to this opportunity? I want to give you a couple quick thoughts, and we'll invite the band up in just a minute. I want to give you four quick thoughts on how to make a beautiful noise in any environment. Four quick thoughts on how to make a beautiful noise. Number one, say thank you. Say thank you. You don't need to tell me, but thank you for saying thank you. When was the last time you said thanks to your leader? When was the last time you said thanks to your mom, your dad? When was the last time you said thanks to a teacher? When was the last time you said thanks to a service member? When was the last time you said thanks to a friend who was there for you in a hard time? Why don't you close your eyes for a second? We'll do this exercise. I want you to think of one, no more than two, people in your life right now who you, you could say thanks to, even tonight. Your parents, you might be saying to yourself, my parents aren't perfect. None of yours are. They can still use a thank you. A thank you goes a long way. Think of that one person. 
Once you identify that person, open your eyes. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to write that person's name down. If it's on your phone, write it on your phone. Maybe what you need to do is you need to send a text. Hey, thanks for being there for me. Maybe it's your, it's your parents when you get home. Maybe it's your mom. Maybe it's your dad. Say, hey, thanks for being awesome. Will it be awkward? I can guarantee you for 75% of you, this will be awkward. I saw one person when they left their mom tonight, their mom dropped them off out here, and was giving them hearts and blowing kisses and dancing. I was like, that's the best goodbye to mom I've ever seen. You may not have that kind of relationship with your mom. It might be more like you're standing around the corner and you're like, okay, I'm going to do it in five, four, three, two. Wait, no, no. Was it on one or after one? Five, four, three, two. Mom, thank you for being awesome. Okay, I'm going to go to bed now. See you later. I don't know what it is, but we're afraid of doing this. But can I tell you, developing, and I'm going to cliche you real quick, and it's going to be great. An attitude of gratitude is one of the best things that you can have in your life. I'll say it again. An attitude of gratitude, thankfulness, a genuine gratitude for what you have and who's in your life and the things they've done for you is the best thing. And I can promise you, the Bible says that the world of the generous, and what that's really speaking to is someone who has a generous spirit, a thankful spirit, something about them that is just bigger than what's going on right here. They're thankful and they ooze this this generosity to them. It says the world of that kind of person, it just gets larger and larger and larger. And you know what? I'll I'll flip it. The world of the frugal, the ones who withhold, the ones who are thankful but don't say it, the ones who they would but it's awkward gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And it gets so small that the last-ditch effort they have to do is blame. Blame the system. Blame mom. Well, you didn't do this enough for me. Dad, you didn't do this enough for me. Friends weren't there enough for me. Hashtag takes two to tango. But And so we, we sit in our little bubble of our small world that we put ourselves into, and, and we, we look out and say, look at all these people enjoying their lives, not realizing that all we gotta do is say thanks. You know what, God? Maybe it starts with God. You can't think of one person to say thanks to, but you can say thanks to God, that he rescued your soul, that when you were depth in the depths of the pit of the miry clay, that he lifted you out of it, and he set your feet on the firm foundation that is the word of God, and the love of God for you, and that when you were dead in your transgressions, that God is making you alive in Christ. If all you do is say thanks to God, then that is where you begin, and your world gets bigger and bigger, and you say, God, I'm thankful that even though I did all of the wrong things, you still love me, and you still gave your life for me, and you saw me 2,000 years ago doing all the things that I did that I said I'd never do again, and my attitudes, and my issues, and my failures, and my sins, and my pain, but you saw me, and you said, still I will give everything that if only that one person says yes, I would do it all again. If that's all you have to say thanks for, friends, you have a reason to be thankful. But no, we blame. Man, that teacher, when he called me out, get over it. That friend, 
What they did on Snapchat. Well, if you weren't on Snapchat, you wouldn't have known about it. <laughs> I hate on Snapchat so much. I'll get it again and then make like 12 swag posts in a row and delete it, you know. Like I always do. This is the best habit that you can develop in your life. Gratitude. Thanksgiving. Ask yourself, when's the last time I thanked someone who's worthy of being thanked? If they're over you, they are worthy of being thanked. Because authority and leadership is a heavy load to carry. I know a lot of people who can criticize mom and dad. A lot of people who can criticize pastors. A lot of people who can criticize, but they can't say thanks. And they wonder why they keep getting backed into the corner. Because they put themselves there. No one puts baby in a corner except for the baby. I don't know. Raise your hand if you know who you're going to say thanks to. Raise your hand if you're going to do it tonight. Don't wait. Don't wait. Let me, I, wanna te- I want you to test, test this. Listen up. I guarantee you that by you having a sincere moment of thanksgiving to someone in your life, thankfulness, gratitude, it is going to set you up for blessings in your life. I want to promise you that, and you can hold me to it. I, 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 I can't even begin to say thank you. Say thank you. And if it doesn't work the first time, keep doing it. You will watch your world enlarge. Because people like people who are thankful. People like people who are grateful. People like people who are generous. People like people who are kind and open and genuine. You know who people don't like? Someone who's always got something negative to say. You don't have something nice to say? Find something nice to say, exactly. Don't say nothing at all? No. Find something nice to say. Absolutely. Worst quote of all time. Number two. Make your presence known. I'll invite the band to come up here now. Number two is make your presence known. Noel and I, a couple years ago, went out of town for a few days, and, and uh, we had actually one of our, our former interns house sit, and we, we, had, we were real busy. It was before we had kids, and, uh, but we'd been really busy, and we hadn't been home a lot, and so we, we, our, our house was a mess. Dishes were in the, on the counter and in the sink and all that kind of stuff, and they were really just sleeping there to watch our dog, and so we, we, we see the girl, and we're like, hey, don't clean anything. Don't do anything. In fact, eat all our food and trash it however you want. Just do not do anything because we made this mess. She's like, okay, no worries. I'll barely even be here anyways. So we go, and we didn't even think about it. Our house was a mess, but no big deal. Like, we were fine cleaning it up. So we get home. Late at night, she's already been gone. She said, hey, thanks. She texted us, hey, thanks for all you guys do. We love you. Uh, thanks for letting me stay at your house. Like, you, we were asking you to do it. Like, we didn't let you. Like, you let us go. So, so we're like, whatever. And she's so nice. Isn't she the sweetest? Oh, yeah, she is. Just the best. 
So we get inside, we turn on the lights. The house was spotless. She vacuumed the floor, mopped the hardwoods, wiped down the counters, did all of the dishes. We go upstairs. We don't make our bed very often. She even made our bed, which, okay, maybe a little bit awkward, but still. I mean, she vacuumed every room in the house. She even sprayed it with the Glade stuff. I mean, I'm telling you, we walked in and we felt, we felt her presence. And so we texted her. We said, hey, why did you clean the house? We told you not to. You did not have to do that. We feel so bad. And, and she said, I didn't want to make my presence known. And I texted back. I said, well, you did make your presence known. And we're so glad you did. One of the best things that you can do at your house, I want you to listen to me. I want, I want everyone here to listen. This is important that you understand it. Because this is where, this is your first ministry, friends. Some of you, you feel called to ministry. You feel called to help people. You feel called to work uh, in serving people and in nonprofits and helping people who have needs. And you feel called to this kind of stuff. So listen up. You are not called to that before you're called to your house. You are called to go home and to add value to that place. That's your highest calling. It's not to evangelize the world. It's not to turn the world upside down with the amazing skills that you have that can draw crowds. It's that your mom, that your dad, that your younger sibling who looks up to you, that they would feel your presence. Do they feel your presence? And I'll take it a step further. What do they feel? Are you the kind of person when you get home that you walk straight to the TV after grabbing a snack and you sit down? Maybe your challenge is to go sit at the counter and say, hey mom, how's it going? How was your day today? Is it awkward? Sure. Is it love? Absolutely. That's what we're called to do. Maybe instead of writing stalls of our new bathrooms you pick up the trash that's on the floor of it and even though it wasn't your trash you have an internal value system that says I literally add value everywhere I go so if I'm at my school and I see some person's pop can that's half full on the ground crushed I don't assume somebody else is going to pick it up I do it why because I add value wherever I go because the moment you walk over that trash can and into your school you know what you're doing because you're saying I know all the stuff but just a bunch of noise because I can't put my money where my mouth is because there's no love in me it's all action it's all talk talk is cheap love is expensive it's difficult
But can I tell you, it's what will change the world. It is what will change our politics. It is what will change our nation. It is what will feed the hungry and solve every problem. It is love that begins with Jesus modeling for us what we ought to do, and then we take that everywhere we go. Come on, is anybody with me? Can we be the kind of people who instead of talking about it, we're going to go in and we're going to love our families. We're going to love our friends. We're going to love our school because we put our money where our mouth is. We add value. We make our presence known by adding value. Number three is we overlook offenses. I want to give you an easy challenge. See, Paul goes on to say, in this very same chapter, love is not easily angered and it keeps no record of wrongs. Here's a great challenge for you that will be really hard. Predetermine right now that the next time someone hurts you, that you forgive them before you even see them and you move on. That doesn't mean you may not at some point need to have a conversation, but you, for, you choose right now going to overlook that offense. They hurt me. I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to move past it. I'm not going to hold it against them. Because Jesus did it for me. Jesus did that for you, didn't he? That while you were active in your sin, God demonstrated his love by sending his son to die. It's not a weight. It's not a Oh, gosh, man, look what God did. You better do this, you know, match his. No. It's the thing that we do in response to his goodness. Number four. We'll close with this. We're going to end in worship in just a moment. As we carry the house values wherever we go. Cameron can attest to this when we were kids. When we would do something right. My dad would say, oh, dude, that's exactly what Murray's do. It's just like you. Say it all the time. Bro, I'm not surprised. He would say that all the time. I'm not surprised that you did that because that's just like you because that's what Murray's do. Said that all the time. But, you know, when we did wrong, which was rare, when we fought, which was very rare, when we poked each other and pinched and kicked and threw things at each other and all that kind of stuff, rare, he'd say, Taylor, Cameron, Shelby, um, I want to remind you what Murray's do. This is not what they do. Murray's are kind. Murray's are encouraging. Murray's lift the burdens of others. Murray's go to school and they find the lonely person. They don't wait for him to come to them. They go to them. They go find them. They reach out. Murray's are honest. They have integrity. Murray's are hard workers. You remind us of all of these things that were in our DNA. Reminding us. Why? Because he wanted us to carry the house values wherever we went. What are your house values? Now you might say, well, my parents aren't Christians. Okay. But what are the house values? Love. Forgiveness. Graciousness. Thanksgiving. Kindness. Honesty. Integrity servanthood are you carrying those everywhere you go would you stand with me